Welcome to the Ryan Waldis Sports Podcast. It is Tuesday, July 10th, 2018. Second episode of the week for the podcast. Just as a reminder, you can catch this podcast on seven different platforms as of right now. You can catch it on Anchor, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Spotify, and Stitcher. You can also check out my website at ryanwaldis.com and connect with me on social media. I would love to connect with you guys, talk about not only what I've talked about on the podcast, but if there's anything you want to discuss, I would love to do that as well. So definitely connect with me on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever social media site you're on, I'm probably on it as well. So feel free to connect with me. I'd love to talk to you about some sports or uh, as I say a lot, whatever, really. I don't, I'm always up for a, a conversation. Got some stuff to talk about today on the Ryan Waldis Sports Podcast. We're going to start uh, with some Major League Baseball, transition to a little NBA, and end the podcast with some NHL talk. So we're going to start in Major League Baseball. There was a tweet yesterday from John Morosi saying that the Brewers are kind of, at this point, the front runners to acquire Manny Machado from the Baltimore Orioles. So my immediate reaction, I was a little shocked because... In the past, you know, month or two, it's really been just the same group of, of four teams. It's been the Phillies, it's been the Dodgers, it's been the Diamondbacks, and to an extent, it's been the the Yankees. And there was actually a report yesterday that came out that the Yankees are kind of trying to get back into conversations to acquire Manny Machado. Not that they need offense, but uh, the, the the Yankees have been a popular landing spot for him for sure. Uh, if not a free agency, then, then definitely uh, at the trade deadline. So my media reaction was definitely I was shocked. Uh, but then you 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 take a look at the the Milwaukee Brewers how they're doing right now. They could definitely you so their bullpen has been phenomenal, right? It's it's been led by Josh Hader. Um, it they've been it's been it's been very very good. But you look at the other aspects of their team. The starting rotation I think is the place where they could they could really use some help. I know they called up Freddie Peralta and he's done very well so far in his six games. But their their rotation is kind of uh, it, it's not mediocre. That's not the right word to use. I think more so it's it's like a bunch of number three starters in a rotation. I think that's a fair way to, to describe it. You have Julius Chassin. You have Chase Anderson. Uh, as I said, you bring up Freddie Peralta. In the future, he could be good. But right now, uh, I think we have to wait and see how good he's going to be uh, once the batters start adapting to him. We'll have to see how he adapts back. Junior Guerrera at 33, he's having a, a very solid season ERA-wise, but if you look at his FIP, it's at 3.86, which is still fine, but it's not, you know, out of this world. So you, you, you take a look at the lineup now after the rotation, you're obviously getting a ton of production from their first baseman, Jesus Aguilar, who's having uh, an incredible year. Nobody expected Jesus Aguilar to, to do this. He was always, back when he was with the Indians as a prospect, his power was always his calling card. He, he was always thought to be, you know... Maybe he'll he'll be a solid first baseman one day in the majors. The Indians could not keep him, so they put him on waivers. The Brewers claimed him, and the Brewers um, have got to be loving this. At 28 years old, Aguilar is breaking out. He just had another home run last night, and right now he's slashing 305, 368, 639. He's leading the league with 23 home runs, the National League, I should say. Uh, he struck out 76 times. He's walked 26 he has been a very good source of offense for that team, especially when Eric Thames goes down. You kind of worry a little bit like, oh, well, I wonder if the Brewers are going to be able to stay in this race without without Eric Thames. 
it got to the point where they couldn't take Aguilar out of the lineup and they had to put Thames in, you know, a couple different spots uh, in the field. And you look at Eric Thames, he's provided uh, another solid offensive season, OPS plus of, of 139. He's sitting 248, but with an on-base percentage of 343 and a slugging percentage of 572. He has 13 home runs on the season. That's third on the team behind Travis Shaw. And speaking of Travis Shaw, he's playing third base for them. He's hitting 241, 339, 459. His OPS is a couple ticks below 800. At shortstop, they haven't really gotten a ton of production out of their shortstops this year. Orlando Arcia, he is he was sitting under the Mendoza line. He was OPSing below 500. So he was supposed to, he was one of their top prospects for for a while. He was supposed to be the guy at shortstop, but he just really hasn't shown it at the major league level. He's still on the 40-man roster, but now they're looking at Tyler Saladino at shortstop who is 28 years of age. Now, granted, uh, he has he's only had 54 plate appearances. In those 54 plate appearances, he's hitting 286, 352, 571. So if you do the math on that, he has an OPS of 923. He has an OPS plus of 142. Now, at 28 years of age, can you expect Tyler Saldino to to keep up what he's doing? I mean, it's anything's possible, but it you can't really it's not fair to expect him to to keep that up. So I think definitely the Brewers could use some help in the infield. So then the question comes up of wow, the Brewers, they're kind of a surprise team. Do they really need him? It's fair to say that they need him. As I said, they're getting production from Aguilar. Christian Yelich has done what he you know he's always done this year. He has eleven home runs. He's stolen twelve bags. He has a very nice slash line of two eighty seven, three sixty two, four fifty eight, so an OPS of eight twenty. So he's been an above average uh guy in the lineup once again as he was in all those years with Miami, an OPS plus of one eighteen. As said, Tams is OPS right now sitting at 139. Lorenzo Kane, uh, he's not having an MVP season, right? But he's been a very nice acquisition for that Milwaukee team. Just got out the DL recently. Now he's hitting 297, but he has an on-base percentage of 401 uh, and an OPS of 840. He struck out 53 times. He's walked 45, so that ratio is almost even. He's also contributed eight home runs, and he leads the team with 17 stolen bases. He's only been caught three times but outside of that there's there's not really a ton of offensive production on this team so I think it's definitely fair to say that they could use you know if not a Machado they could definitely use uh, another bat this Brewers team we talk, I talked about with Nick Halper last week they might be the favorites in the NL and Nick brought up a good points because they play like a team they, you know it's do they have that one star on the team no they they really don't but they, they play like a team, and that's how they find themselves right now. You take a look at the at the standings. That's why they find themselves at 54-37, and 37, one and a half games up on the Chicago Cubs. Uh, as I say this, they lost last night to the Miami Marlins 4-3, but the Cubs lost to the Giants 2-1. to one. They That's why they find themselves right now with the best record in the National League. So it's they. I think if if you had to ask me right now, would you trade for a, a starting pitcher or would you trade for Machado? I, I'm still going to say that you trade for a starting pitcher. I think I said it with Nick last week. If you give this team, not necessarily even an elite starter, but someone like in that upper echelon of starting pitcher, and granted, I don't know where you're going to find that because it's not a great year for for teams that need a starting pitcher. There's not a ton of really intriguing options out there on the trade market this year. But if they could find some way to to get you know a, a good starting pitcher in that rotation, that'd be great. Because right now, I'm a little worried about, let's say this Brewers team makes the playoffs, who are you throwing out there for game one? 
You know, who are you going to throw out there to really set the tone in a series? And, and not even game one. Who are, you gonna, who are your three starting pitchers you're going to throw out there? Your one, your two, your three. Because right now, you, you take a look at the rotation. I guess you're throwing Chase Anderson out there. I guess you're throwing Chassin out there. And then maybe you throw out Guerrera or, or Peralta. But it's, I, I don't know. Like, I have trouble trusting a 22-year-old in that situation and then the other three, as I said, they're not mediocre, but they're like they're middle of the rotation arms in a good rotation. But with the Brewers, they're kind of forced to be better than that. And it's I feel like if they had that one good starting pitcher, they would really cement themselves as perhaps one of the, if not the best team, then you know one of those top two teams in the National League. So you take a look at the the prospect package rumors. Supposedly, Keston Hira, their their second base prospect, he was their first round pick last year from the University of California, Irvine. He was a top 10 pick, uh, I believe. Uh, apparently, they don't want to trade him. Apparently, he's kind of off limits, which I, which I understand 100%. He's their best prospect uh, in their system. Uh, he's 21 years of age. He did very well in his professional debut last year. He's always going to be able to hit. That's, that's the one thing that's for sure certain about him, that no matter what... Uh, when he comes up, he'll be able to hit. He has a very good hit tool. The The issue with Hira is where is he going to play? Is he going to play? So he was drafted as, as a second baseman. That's where he played in college. There's thoughts that maybe he might have to move to, to the outfield, specifically a corner outfield spot. No matter what, he's going to be able to, to hit. So his bat will, will really play anywhere. And the good thing is that he might be up at some point next year. Like that's how advanced he is. So apparently he's off limits. Now for Machado, I don't know if you're going to be able to get Machado without putting in Hira. Now the the thing with the Orioles, it's interesting. Their farm system is is not very good, right? So they need a, a ton of a ton of help. Uh, the the thing that they kind of don't need when you look at their their farm system really is is outfielders. They have a, a lot of intriguing outfielders in that farm system. So I think the one thing you would want to get. Uh, if you're the Orioles, is either you know some infielders or some pitchers. And I know it's kind of it's it's different with MLB in that you don't really you, you just try to get the best prospects available and you worry about the log jams later. Um, so I, I'm sure if they were offered here, they would take him no matter no matter what, even though he might be playing in the outfield. But if you are the if you're the Baltimore Orioles, um, you look at it from their standpoint. You know, you really need some pitchers or some middle infielders. That's where you're really weak at in the farm system. And supposedly the prospect package um, from the Brewers, it's been it's led by guys who already have service time. So a guy like a Keon Broxton, guys like that. If you're the Orioles, you can't accept that because your team is not going to be good for a while. You need to get guys that have never played in the major leagues. So you you need to look at guys like a, like a Corbin Burns maybe, right? Or you, you go further down the list, there's a guy like a like a Brett Phillips. Or you just, just keep going down the, the Brewers list. You need to get guys that don't have major league service time yet at, at this point. That's the one thing that you need. And I'd worry if I'm an Orioles fan because of their ownership, because of the Angelos. I kind of worry that they would, they, they don't want to, so they're getting old, right? I kind of wonder that if they would take a lesser prospect package with guys that have major league service time, um, just because they, they don't want to go into a total rebuild. That's what they need to do. But I kind of worry that they would not try to get, you know, prospects that, you know, 
have a ton of team control, they'd go for these guys that have already made the bigs, and you know they've their team control clock. It's it's already started their service time clock, I should say. I worry that they would try to do that because I don't trust the the Orioles ownership with Angelos and Duquette. I don't trust it. It's it's and I'm not the only one that does. I know the the Orioles fans hate them, but it's it worries me that they it it really it's I don't know. I'd be scared if I was an Orioles fan because if out of everything that this team has messed up, this is the one thing that you can't mess up. You have a generational talent on your team, a generational infielder. You cannot, for you know any reason, mess this up. This is your one chance to to really restock this farm system that's in the bottom third of the league. If they mess this up, this sets the franchise back even more than it's already been set back. So if they don't get a good prospect package, guys that are going to be under team control for a long time, you know, instead of getting you know guys that have already made the majors. It's going to be an issue for that team, you know, not only short term, but but long term as well. Because when that team's ready to compete again, those guys that have already made the major leagues, they it's it you know they're they're going to be ready for you know they're going to be if not in arbitration, they're already going to be ready for their next contracts, their next you know you know regular contracts. So if you're Baltimore, you really need to push. If you know if not from the Brewers, then from any team, you need to push for guys that have not made the majors because that's not they're they're you know. Their window has been is closed. It's it's closed. It's sealed shut. It's not going to be open again for a while. So you got to make sure you get prospects that are going to be ready for around the time you want to contend again. Now it's where do I think he goes? As Milwaukee, as I said, was kind of a surprise team. I think ultimately he does end up going to to a team like the Dodgers. As a Phillies fan, it seems like they kind of backed out. I don't think the Phillies are going to trade for him. I know the Yankees. Entered the the discussions. I don't know if they're going to trade for him. Uh, the Diamondbacks are kind of an interesting situation in that they really need help in the infield, and they've kind of been linked to Machado for for a while, especially since their window. It's it. I'm not going to say it's closing, um, but you're kind of getting there, especially if you lose Paul Goldschmidt next year in free agency, um, and obviously Granky's not getting any younger. Um, so. You take a look at the at the Diamondbacks. You have Nick Ahmed, right, uh, at shortstop, 28 years old. He's played in 85 games this year. He's only hitting 226 with a 285 OBP. I know defensively he's a little better, and that's not going to show up in his batting line. But overall at the plate, he's not doing too well. Jake Lamb is only hitting 234. Now, granted, he has a 325 on base percentage, but still, it's nothing to write home about. He's been below average offensively. So they really need some help on the left side of the infield. So I think the Diamondbacks are kind of an, an intriguing team. Um, for Machado to go to, I'd love to see how how something like that would work. I kind of worry because Arizona's farm system is is not the best. They're in that bottom third tier as as well. So I don't really know who they would they would go for. They would try to trade for a guy like a Manny Machado because it's obviously going to take you know a decent amount. Uh, I would imagine any prospect package would start with their with their big right-handed pitching prospect, the 23-year-old John Duplanier. This was their third-round pick in, in 2016. So I imagine it would have to start with him. I don't know if you include Pavin Smith. That was the guy that they took in the in the first round last year. He was out of the, the University of Virginia. One of the two Virginia guys taken very high. The other one was Adam Hazley, who ended up going to the Phillies. So I, I don't know. I, I imagine it would have to start with, with one of those two. Um, I don't know if you get both of them for half a season of Machado, but uh, it would have to start with at least one of those two. 
Um, Baltimore, of course, could use a lot of help. Now, there was a report from Bob Nightingale that the Orioles could package Zach Britton to get a better return. And obviously teams, uh, especially if you're a contending team, you could always use bullpen help. Even the Brewers, uh, as good as their bullpen has been, they would not uh, they would not say, oh, yeah, we don't really need Zach Britton. You're going to get Zach Britton uh, no matter what. Um, I don't know how much better the return would be since Britton has been injured um, and since he's going to be free agent at the end of the season as well. I don't know how much better the return would be. But if you can maybe parlay that into you know another solid prospect, uh, it's definitely worth it. Uh, I, as I said, I think he goes to the Dodgers when all is said and done. Uh, they they have the, the prospect pool still, um, despite everything that they've done in the past. They still have the prospect pool to, to complete these big trades. Um, I think that I've read that Verdugo would probably be the headliner in any big trade that, that they make. Um, their big catching prospect, Kyber Ruiz, um, who's 19 years old. Apparently, he's off limits, but they're more than willing to trade Alex Verdugo. Uh, it's just because they have a plethora of outfielders already, so they'd be willing to trade him. Um, but uh, the Machado rumors, you know, we only got a couple more weeks of them. It's July 10th, so we only got 21 more days until the, the trade deadline. So I think he goes to Los Angeles. Uh, I don't think Phil, I think maybe Philadelphia makes a late run, but they just decide to pull out because it's just a little too much and they think that they can get them uh, when the offseason starts in November. So uh, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. And, you know, uh, I, I might change my mind here as we get closer to the deadline. Of course, anything can happen. But those five teams, Arizona, the Dodgers, the Yankees, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, they seem to be that group of five. One of those teams is going to get them. Just going to have to wait and see. The other thing I want to talk about in terms of baseball uh, were some rumors from the San Francisco Giants. So Brian Murphy of the site, the uh, McCovey Chronicles, that's the SB Nation site for the for the San Francisco Giants. He said that he had a reliable source um, who said that uh, the word on the street is that everyone is on the chopping block minus Posey and Crawford. So it, that was kind of interesting because the Giants really, especially entering the year, they said, oh, yeah, we're not going to you know, tear it down or whatever. But now they're saying that guys like Madison Bumgarner and Brandon Belt, Andrew McCutcheon, uh, Tony Watson, Sam Dyson, and then to a lesser extent, guys like Gorky's Hernandez, Pablo Sandoval, and Jeff Sabarja, all of them are available. Everyone except Buster Posey and and Brandon Crawford. So that tells me uh, a couple things. One is that they don't want to go into a, a full fire sale. They don't want to go into a full rebuild, which is kind of something that you would think that they might want to do, but you know it, it is what it is. Two, it, it tells me you know, that maybe they kind of realize that this isn't their year. Now, they're only three games out in the NL West. They're only four games back in the wild card. But I think maybe they're, they're, they're higher ups. They kind of realize that they won't compete this year no matter what. Um, but maybe they want to, you know, bring in some younger guys. That way, you're not really rebuilding. You're, we're going to use this uh, word of the day. They're going to retool. Um, they're trying to retool on the fly, which is why maybe they want to keep a guy like a Buster Posey and like a Brandon Crawford. And I think that it's something that the, the Giants have needed to do for a while. They've really tried to just keep that core intact uh, at the expense of maybe improving the, the farm system. Now, granted, the, the Giants, they kind of have uh, a knack for developing guys who maybe aren't highly looked upon in the prospect pool, and then they come up, and then they do pretty well. But you look at the Giants, they're they're a pretty old team. So Buster Posey is 31, Brandon Belt is 30, Brandon Crawford's 31, Longoria was 32, now he's on the disabled list for a while, I think the next six to eight weeks. Hunter Pence was 35, Gorky's is 30, McCutcheon's 31, Sandoval's 31, 
and then you you go further down into into your starting rotation. Bumgarner is only 28, but Samarja is 33. Johnny Cueto's 32. It's a pretty old team, so I think they've needed to to kind of get some youth in there for a while. And I kind of like. Hopefully, this rumor is true because I think it would be perfect for that team to you know, even though they're close to the playoff race this year, it's not their year. I. I'll go on the record now and say that they're not going to make it. There's just too many good teams ahead of them right now. So one of Atlanta and Philadelphia is going to get one of the wild cards. Milwaukee uh, and Chicago, those are the two teams from the Central. You know, maybe if the Cardinals really go on a run in the second half, you have to look out for them too. And then in your own division, you're already competing with the Diamondbacks and the Dodgers. The Rockies are only half a game behind you. So it's just... It doesn't seem like a good year for them to to go out there and say, oh, yeah, we could definitely make the playoffs. So I think you definitely you, you want to at least listen to what you can get for these guys. I know for the fans it might be a little tough because Bumgarner and Belt, they've done so much for that franchise. But it's you have to at least listen. And if someone, especially with the starting pitcher market being the way it is, if someone gives you a really good offer for a Madison Bumgarner that allows you to bring some youth into that system, it's you got to do it. Right, and at the same time, it doesn't mean that you're going to be bad for a while because the Giants, their their executives, their higher ups, uh, they don't seem like the type of people to to go for you know like a four or five year rebuild to get some young talent you know into the farm system on out to the major league squad. They seem like the type of people who, as I said, want to retool on the fly, right? So they want to they want to like. I think you get some young talent in there and then maybe you don't make the playoffs this year, but you come back next year with this younger core that's going to be together for a while that has some potential uh, as opposed to what you have right now, which is, you know what you got. So I'd be ecstatic if, if I'm a Giants fan and you take a look um, because you look at their farm system and now it depends on who you ask, obviously, but they're kind of in that, that bottom group of five to seven teams I'd say so. The the list I'm looking at right now, um, it's from minorleagueball.com. They're they're in the so-so area. Um, so they are ahead of just the. And this was before the season started. I, I I should say this. This was before the season started. They were they were ahead of just the Mets, the Mariners, and the Royals, and they were behind teams like the the Diamondbacks, the Red Sox, and the Cubs. So it's it's not the the best li- the the best group of teams to to be around. Um, not I'm not saying that the Cubs and the Red Sox are bad to be around, but you know you don't want to be near teams like the Mets and the Mariners and the Royals. It's it's not really where you want to be. It's kind of gotten um, it, it had gotten better um, in recent years, but they they tried to make some trades to to bring in some some guys to kind of keep their window of contention open. You know you you bring in a guy like an Evan Longoria, uh, you know a trade like that. You trade for a guy like an Andrew McCutcheon. They just had to trade Austin Jackson, and they had to include one of their top prospects, you know, just to just to be able to, to trade him, one of their top pitching prospects, one of their top pitchers. So it's I think you really need to try to get some some youth uh, into that organization, and think that would be the best thing at this point in time. And who knows, next year, it's maybe the youth helps out, and you know, by 2020, they're right back at the top again. So I uh, I. I'd be excited for one if I'm a Giants fan. Now you look at who they could trade. Bumgarner, he is having a solid year. Of course, he had the DL stint, but in seven games started, he has a 3.09 ERA uh, and 43 and two thirds innings pitch. You look at a guy like a Brandon Belt, 
who who is apparently on the block. He's 30 years old. He's playing 76 games. He's having a very solid season. He leads the team in home runs with 13. He has struck out 65 times, walked 40, so he's had a solid eye this year for the most part. He's hitting above 300 with a 396 on base percentage and a 509 slugging percentage. If you, you know, you could think about, uh, there was a point where you could think about trading for Joe Panic, but he just went on the DL, so that's not really an option. You could have traded maybe for a Longoria, but you can't do that anymore because he's going to miss six to eight weeks. Um, that was an injury that he suffered in June. Um, Gorkis Hernandez would be uh, appealing to teams that maybe just need like a bat on the bench, like a, a solid bat. He's hitting right now 279, 327, 463. Uh, he is second on the team, believe it or not, in home runs with 11. So he has a little pop. Uh, in his bat, an OPS plus of 114. He would not take a he would not take a ton to to acquire. He'd probably be you know in a, a package with one of their better guys. To be honest with you, uh, McCutcheon this year in his first season with San Francisco, he's not the elite guy that we remember him as, but he's still been above average, if only slightly. Uh, he's hitting 261, 343, 418. He has nine home runs. Uh, he has 88 strikeouts to 40 walks, an OPS plus of 108. So he's been slightly above league average. Um, you, there's there's a market for him for for sure. If he'd want to take a chance on a Jeff Samarja who just came off the DL um, a few days ago, he made his first start. I believe he went five innings, allowed three runs. He hasn't uh, had the the best season so far before the injury. He had a 6.42 ERA. Uh, the good news is that his FIP was a run lower at 5.46. But you could maybe take a chance on him if you wanted to. Uh, I don't know what his market would be. Uh, he, as I said, he struggled this year. 29 strikeouts to 24 walks. It's not what you want. He had already let up six home runs in just 40 innings, which which is not very good. Uh, you look further down maybe in the bullpen, a guy like a Tony Watson who's 33. They could they could do without maybe a guy like a Sam Dyson who kind of turned his career around after being traded from, from Texas uh, a while back. So there's some names in there they could definitely bring in some youth and they could be, you know, looking good. Um, maybe not short term, but definitely long term. And I can't say that they look good long term right now with the roster and the farm system that they have. So those are just a couple of Major League Baseball notes that that I wanted to hit on. I want to move now to the to the NBA. Uh, so there was a report from A. Shrod Blakely, who covers the Boston Celtics for NBC Sports Boston. He covers the NBA for them, too. Uh, that after striking out on Zach Levine, this was according to one of his sources, the Sacramento Kings are preparing to put together an offer sheet for the Celtics' Marcus Smart. Uh, it, it's it's kind of surprising to me. I don't know why the Kings are trying to do what they're trying to do. So obviously they tried to give Levine a 480 offer sheet that the that the Bulls matched. I don't know why the Bulls matched it. Uh, if I'm the Bulls, I don't match that. I let the Kings deal with that. Not saying that Levine's not a, you know, a, a solid player, but it's just, it's, I don't match that. So you kind of have to assume that the Kings are going to try to do something in the realm of 480 for, for Marcus Smart as, as well. So you take a look at, at Marcus Smart. He's, he's 24 years of age. He is, he's a restricted free agent, obviously. So the Celtics, they would have the the chance to to match if they if they really wanted to. Now I know that Celtics fans they they would not mind bringing Smart back, but not for you know twenty million dollars a year, right? Like I, I've seen that Celtics fans they say they want to keep him maybe in like that ten to thirteen fourteen million dollar range um, for this year, um, if that's at all possible. You take a look at what he did last year. He averaged ten point two points, four point eight assists. 
and 3.5 rebounds. He averaged 29.9 minutes per contest in, in 54 games. Uh, he started 11 of them. That was following a year when he played in 79 games. He, started ten, he uh, averaged 10.6, 4.6, and 3.9. Obviously, shooting uh, is kind of his, his downfall. He only shot 36% from the field last year, 35% in 2016. Uh, now, he is only 23 years old. Um, defensively, he is definitely, that's the kind of where he, he fits. He's a kind of like a defensive guard, um, which is great. But so you take a look, first of all, you take a look at the Celtics, right? So you bring Kyrie Irving back from injury. He'll be starting. Jalen Brown will be starting. Gordon Hayward comes back from injury. He'll be in the starting lineup. And then you, you pair them with Jason Tatum and, and Al Horford. So you got your starting five all set. Then you go to your bench. Terry Rogier is going to be there for another year. You still have Marcus Morris. Uh, Aaron Baines uh, re-upped for two years and $11 million. Semi Ojale will be in his in his second year. Of course, the second-round pick from SMU in 2017. He'll be in his second year. You'll have Daniel Tice. You'll have Abdel Nader. Uh, you have Yabusile, who was their first-round pick in 2016, uh, the international guy. So it's it – would you, – you take a look at the team that's constructed right now. Would Marcus Smart still be, you know, a solid guy to have on that bench? Absolutely. But would he be a solid guy to have on that bench for, you know, $20 million a year? Absolutely not. And he was always going to walk anyway. The Celtics, when he became an unrestricted free agent, they weren't going to keep him regardless. There's always going to be some team out there that was going to give him a lot of money. But if I'm the Kings, I, I don't know I don't know why Vlade and, you know, that, that front office is so intent on, on giving out these offer sheets. They should be extremely happy that they did not get Zach Levine. I, I wonder why they would try to get Marcus Smart. That would just, it would, it would set that franchise back even more. And I'm not, I'm not saying that because Marcus Smart is this really bad player or something, but you just, it's, you don't give a guy like that four years and, and $80 million. And obviously this is just, you know, pr- projections, right? Like this, I don't know if that's what the offer sheet would be, but you don't pay Marcus Smart that much money. I think you go into next season with so the projected starting lineup right now according to roster resource would be Darren Fox. You have Bogdan Bogdanovich who was second team All Rookie last year, uh, one of my favorite players to watch last year. I think he'll be a solid you know a solid guy for them. Justin Jackson who was their first round or they traded um, from from Portland in last year. They got from North Carolina. You have Zach Randolph. You have Willie Cauley signing and on the bench. Obviously you still have Marvin Marvin Bagley the third, which was your number two overall pick this year. Probably should have gone Luka Doncic if it was up to me, but they get Marvin Bagley. You have Buddy Heels there, there, Garrett Temple, uh, Costa Kufos, Frank Mason, Skyla BCA. You bring in Amon Shumpert in trade last February, and then you have Harry Giles from from Duke. So I, I if I'm the Kings, I'm not giving offer sheets to to any of these guys. Uh, I know Smart is still pretty young, but I'm not, I'm just going into next season with my young core. If I could get maybe a couple veterans, you know, on some one year deals, I'll do that too. And they don't have their first round pick, so they have no incentive to to tank, right? So their first round pick is either going to Boston or Philadelphia. More than more than likely, it'll go to Boston because I don't think Sacramento is going to be so bad to where they're in contention for the number one overall pick. So most likely, your first round pick is going to Boston. So you have no incentive to to tank. But that doesn't mean you throw this big offer sheet at a guy like Marcus at a guy like Marcus Smart. It's just that's not the guy that that this team is. I think you just go into next season with. With the young core that you're you're trying to build, um, obviously Zach Randolph's not part of that young core. He's 37, but you you just go into you go into 2018 with your young players, try to let them develop, and then next year 
obviously you'll have a lot of money and you can see maybe if you can get somebody in free agency or, or in a trade something you know something like that but there's no reason to go out there and you know get a Marcus Smart on your books for a lot of money for a long period of time that does not help your team get better and I know at this point every NBA team is looking towards the future because they know they're not competing with the Warriors next year but it's you have to you have to have the longest view in the room you have to realize that Marcus Smart you know, even if he kind of helps you right now, is it really the best thing long-term? And for that franchise, getting Marcus Smart locked up for four years, it's not the best thing for that franchise long-term. So I hope that they don't give an offer sheet to 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 Marcus Smart because, number one, you know the Celtics would not match it um, if it's the, around the same length and price as, as Levine's was. So you know he's going to, you know that he would end up going to Sacramento. It's not the best thing for that organization so I, I really hope that the Kings do, do not do that because I want to see the Kings do well. They've, they've been bad for, for most of my life. So I would love to see them, you know, be a solid team. And they're not going to be a solid team by getting Marcus Smart. The other thing I want to talk about in terms of the NBA, uh, Luke Mabamute signed with the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, it's, it's not so much that he signed with the Clippers. This isn't going to be me talking about the Clippers. This is more me talking about the, the Houston Rockets. So they've lost some key players already. Uh, you lose Luke Mbamute. You already lost Trevor Ariza. He signed with the the Phoenix Suns, uh, which was a little bit of a surprise. But he signs with the Phoenix Suns. You, know, you do bring back Chris Paul. You do bring back Gerald Green. Uh, but you, you you take a look at how this Rockets team is constructed right now. So you still have Chris Paul and James Harden. You still have those two guys. You have PJ Tucker. You have Ryan Anderson, and you still have Nene. Clint Capella is still in in a state of flux, right? So they don't know if they're going to if they're going to bring him back. Or, or really what they're going to do. Apparently, from what I was reading, the reports are are that they are too far apart on, on money um, to the point where I, I believe I saw that Capella believes he is kind of in the realm of the, the Rudy Gobert and Steven Adams contracts. They're getting paid, I believe, like $20, 24000000 million a year, uh, I want to say, whereas the Rockets are kind of offering him an extension that's similar to the one that Yusuf Nurkic got to, to stay with the Portland Trailblazers. That was four years, $53 million. Now, I think we can all agree that Capella is a much better player than a Yusuf Nurkic. He is worth way more than four years and $53 million. Now, he's a restricted free agent, so there's not really much he can do. Um, he can just sign on for, you know, the uh, one year and then hit unrestricted free agency next year. And I think that's probably going to be his best bet. But let's say, let's say hypothetically that they lose Capella. Um, and... I can't stress enough that it's pretty unlikely, especially with the way that the cap is now. There's not really too many teams out there that could offer Capella a contract, an offer sheet, I should say, that's, you know, kind of where, you know, a fair value. Um, Dallas was really the, the one team that he was linked to, but now they get DeAndre Jordan. So it's that's not really realistic anymore. So there's really, you know, there's there's not really many teams out there that can give Capella a, a contract that's that's fair value. But let's say hypothetically, um, they don't bring him back. Some team gives him this big offer sheet, and and the the Rockets aren't able to match. So now you're looking at your starting lineup of of Paul Harden, Tucker, Anderson, and Nene, and you look at your bench, which is way worse than it was a season ago. You still have Eric Gordon, you have Gerald Green, but then you bring in Michael Carter Williams on a one year deal. Whoever since his Rookie of the Year campaign, and by the way, as a Sixers fan, I can say this: the Rookie of the Year campaign. Uh, obviously it was a fluke, but it's because he just held the, had the ball in his hand so much because he was one of the few guys on that team that had, you know, any sort of talent. Um, that's why he won rookie of the year. The ball was in his hand so much. You have Aaron Jackson, um, the, the free agent. He went to Duquesne. 
you have RJ Hunter, but the the bench far and away is is worse than it was last year. Now supposedly they're the favorites for Melo. They're gonna get, the Rockets are apparently gonna try really hard to get Carmelo. It's just I I don't know. I don't I don't Carmelo obviously helps the team um, in terms of he just adds another player to you know it's it, the talent level goes up a little bit, but it it's I don't know. Like the question is, can they still hang with Golden State? If they kept Ariza and they kept Mbamute, I would say that, yeah, they can still stay there with, with Golden State, even though Golden State just brings in, you know, DeMarcus Cousins. But now it's, I don't know. So you look at this Houston team last year, they go 65 and 17. They're not going to do that again with this with this roster right now. And apparently their their front office, you know, that's led by Daryl Morey, they said, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely keep this core together for next year. That way we can try to compete again. It's... They didn't. They lost two of their major contributors, and right now there's a, a chance, albeit just a very small chance, but there's a chance that they lose their 24-year-old big man in Clint Capella who can do so much for them. And if they lose Capella, that's you know not only can they not compete with, with Golden State, uh, you know they, they fall down the pecking order um, in, in that Western Conference a, a little bit. So I kind of wonder what the Rockets are, are going to do. Obviously, it seems like they're going to get Carmelo. It seems like that's a lock, but... I just I don't know what else they are they're gonna do to to try to to make sure this team is I'm not gonna say competitive because the team will be competitive next year, but it's it's not as good as it was a season ago. Now I will say this I saw um, one of my friends was playing a video yesterday, and it was uh, are the Lakers now? It was something along the lines of uh, it was first take. Like, are the Lakers in a better position than the Rockets? Or something like that. Like, can the, you know, something stupid like that. I'm not going to go that far. The Rockets are still, you know, in a better position, despite LeBron and all those guys going to the Lakers. The Rockets are still in a better position right now. But is it is it fair to say that the Rockets are going to have trouble now with the Warriors this year since you lose guys like Ariza Mabamute? Yeah, that, that's fair. And if they lose Capella, it's going to be even worse. Now, having said that, I think Capella will end up coming back um, just on, their, on a one-year deal. And he'll hit unrestricted free agency next year, which will be better for him because then more teams will have money to spend. Right now, as I said, he's kind of, you know, it's it's not a great market for for a lot of guys uh, in free agency. You look at the, the top remaining free agents uh, in the in the NBA, it's obviously Capella is, is up there. Mello is going to be a free agent uh, pretty soon. Uh, so there's... So, you, you, so I got this big board up right now of, of the top remaining free agents... In the in the NBA, Isaiah Thomas is is still out there. It's he doesn't help the the, the Rockets at, at all. The last thing that the Rockets need is a guard. Uh, Jabari Parker's out there, but he's restricted, so I don't know if the Rockets are going to take a shot at him. Uh, it's uh, Jabari's obviously intriguing because he has the potential. He's just never really been able to to harness it and stay healthy. Uh, he actually unfollowed Giannis and the Bucks on Instagram, so it's getting pretty serious. So I don't think he's going to come back to Milwaukee. I don't know where he's going to go. Uh, so there's there's some names out there. It's just I don't know who exactly they would go they would go at. I don't know if they'd be interested in a guy like a Jamal Crawford. He's kind of, you know, he's up there in age. He's not that great defensively anymore. Michael Beasley's still out there. Uh, of course, he played for, for the Knicks. Um, the Knicks are not really interested in bringing Beasley back. Um, so I don't know if the Rockets would be interested in a guy like him. Um, but there's there's some names left, obviously. But no matter what, I think the team is going to be a little worse than it was a season ago, which is a shame because they really give the Warriors a run for their money. I don't know if they can do that this year with the way the team is constructed. 
But uh, as as with everything, as I say a lot, uh, the the catchphrase of the show will just have to to wait and see. Um, obviously, it's only July 10th, so there's still a lot of time for the Rockets to kind of get things together here as we as we move along. Final thing I want to talk about on this kind of short episode of the Ryan Wallace Sports Podcast um, is the know, we've gotten used to like the hour long episode, so uh, wanted to go just a little shorter today. Um, is we want to end with the NHL uh, with Nikita Kucherov. Uh, he agreed to an eight-year extension uh, this morning with the Tampa Bay Lightning with a $9.5 million AAV. So quickly, I just want to look at you know an outlook for, for the team in terms of the contract. So you lock up a guy in Nikita Kucherov right now who's only 25. So we take a look here, and these are numbers from Cap Friendly. So Stephen Stamkos has a no-movement clause. Uh, he's 28 years old. He's locked up through the end of the 2023-2024 season. Um, at $8.5 million. That's the cap hit. Ryan Callahan is locked up for the next two years at $5.8 million. He has a modified no-trade clause. Andre Palat is locked up through the 2022 season at $5.3 million uh, for the cap hit. The cap hit for JT Miller is $5.25 million, and he's locked up through 2023. Tyler Johnson is locked up through 2024 at $5 million cap hit. Nikita Kucherov has said the AAV was $9.5 million. He's now locked up for the next eight years. Alex Kalorn is locked up through 2023 at 28 years old. He has a no-trade clause um, at $4.45 million. You go further down now to defense. Victor Hedman and Ryan McDonough are locked up for a long time. McDonough, is his cap hit is 6.75 mil. Hedman, his cap hit is 7.875 mil. So that's a very nice... And then you have Vasilevsky, who's locked up um, through the end of the 2019-2020 season at $3.5 billion. That's a, that's a very nice core you have there going on for a while. So you have Stamkos. Your core for the next several years is, is Stamkos, Andre Palat, JT Miller, Tyler Johnson, Nikita Kucherov, Alex Kalorn, Victor Hedman, and Ryan McDonough. That is a very nice core. And then potentially, you, you take a look at it, um, this team could still get Eric Carlson. This doesn't affect that. You know, some people said, oh, well, they just got Carlson to the, or they just got Kucherov to this long deal. So I guess they're out of the Carlson thing. Not even close. In fact, this helps them now because now you see who, you know, it's, it helps them in terms of the cap because now you see, you know, where it's all spread out. You see who you're going to have for a long time. They could still get Eric Carlson from the, from the Ottawa Senators, which is the crazy thing because you had, if you had Eric Carlson and the crazy thing, they would have money next year to, to give Carlson that long term extension that he wants. So you take a look at it, this Tampa Bay Lightning team, they're set for, for a very, a very very long time. They could still get Eric Carlson for, for sure now. As I said, it's probably still going to be a three-team trade. As I said, you know, at one point last week, it seems like the Rangers are kind of kind of interested in being that third team, um, the middleman, I guess you would say. But the, the Lightning, they're still in a very good position to bring in Eric Carlson. If they bring in Eric Carlson... You not only have you have him and Hedman uh, as your top two defensemen for for a very long time, combined with Stamkos, Palat, Miller, Johnson, Kucherov, and Kalorn, which is insane. That is uh, an incredible core that that most people can only dream about. Most people only put that together like in a video game, you know. But the the Lightning have done very well. The front office, they are cap wizards, uh, which definitely helps. But they can get, they can definitely get a guy like Eric Carlson. Um, the, the rumors are still running rampant um, with Eric Carlson. There was a point yesterday where it said, oh, yeah, they're making progress. The trade should be completed soon um, with Tampa Bay. And then it was like, oh, yeah, that seems like the sides have broken off now um, for a little bit. So now Dallas is apparently the front runner. 
there's a lot of rumors going on. Um, and it, it's obviously fun, but it's also, you know, a little annoying because you see this report. Oh, yeah, the trade's close. And then two hours later, oh, yeah, the trade wasn't really that close. It's now they're going to take a break for a little bit. So uh, it's I, I, I as a Flyers fan, <laughs> obviously, I'm a little upset because I wanted them to make a push for, for Carlson. But it, it seems like uh, the Lightning are kind of that team right now. Um, so, uh, yeah, so according to Johnston, uh, he said that extending Kucherov doesn't take Tampa out of Eric Carlson trade talks. Quite the opposite. It gives them more certainty about the future. Where it is to continue to engage outside teams at a potential three-way deal with, with Ottawa. Um, so Kucherov gets the eight-year extension worth $9.5 million. Um, that's the average annual value. That is the richest contract in, in team history. So he will be with the Lightning for a very long time. That extension kicks in in the 2019 season. He's making $4.76 million this year. That extension kicks in next season. So the Lightning, once again, lock up one of their young studs, one of the best players in the NHL, Nikita Kucherov, to an eight-year deal. He'll be in Tampa Bay for a very long time. That'll just about do it for this kind of condensed edition of the Ryan Wallace Sports Podcast. As I said, I know we've kind of gotten used to like the hour plus long episodes, but I kind of want to go just a little shorter today, just uh, you know, a little easier to, to listen to uh, all in one sitting. So I want to thank you for listening to the, the Ryan Wallace Sports Podcast. We will be back, of course, tomorrow, Monday through Friday. You can listen to the Ryan Wallace Sports Podcast. You can listen to us on Anchor, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Spotify, and Stitcher. Be sure to check out my website at ryanwaldis.com and check out me on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, SoundCloud, YouTube, really any type of social media. If you could think about it, I'm on it. Um, normally my handle is at ryanwaldis on all those you know social media services. So definitely connect with me if you want to, you know, talk with me about something I talked about on the podcast, something I didn't talk about on the podcast, if there's something you'd like to listen to me discuss on the podcast um be sure to tell me there as well i would love to talk about what all of y'all want me to talk about because that's that's really where it is at the end of the day it's the people that listen to this podcast i want to thank y'all for for listening y'all the reason that this is this is possible so if there's anything you guys ever want me to talk about that you know i haven't hit on yet just definitely let me know and i definitely will bring it up on the on the next episode so i want to thank you for listening to this episode of the ryan wallace sports podcast and i will catch y'all again tomorrow thank you